Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Good morning. It's great to be here with you live. And then welcome to the online viewers. Uh, we know that you're at home watching us. We, we're those people normally, so we'll welcome you where you're in your living room. I ask you to turn off everything, open your hearts up. Uh, I know there might be kids running around or other things, but just let's, let's, let's all connect together to the Spirit. And bienvenidos a los que están viendo de los otros países. Yo sé que hay gente de Colombia, de México, de otros países. Bienvenidos. Uh, Dios les bendiga. <laughs> I'm not going to preach in Spanish, but I know there's people that watch from other countries we visit, so I just want to give them a welcome. Um, Well, how many of you, well, my name is Michael Coots, like Lauren said, and um, Jennifer, my wife Jennifer and I and our daughters, Chloe and Nora, are missionaries to Mexico. Um, We've been in Mexico since April 2016, so we're coming up on our five-year anniversary of being in Mexico. Both of our daughters were born there, so they're Mexican-Americans, and... um, we live our lives down there. Uh, and I, so before I start anything, how many of you have actually heard me speak before? Okay, there's a lot. How many have not heard me speak before? Okay, all right. That gives me a framework because I don't want to reshare the same stories, but it seems like more than half have not heard me speak before. So welcome. Um, I know you don't see me much. I'm going to come through like twice a year, but um, we're part of the family. We, um, we were sent by Bethel Atlanta to be part of another uh, missions organization in Mexico, Five, like five years ago, and um, we truly, truly feel like this is our family. And I know that word is really common these days to say, oh, family, welcome to family, welcome. No, we feel like we're part of the family. We know we're part of the family. There's no question we're part of the family. And it's a very different thing to be able to say that confidently. And as missionaries, I know there's some missionaries here, and then there's some people who have been on the mission field and some who are back. Um, it's so important to have family. It's one of the things, people ask me what's the hardest thing. We've lived in poverty. We've lived in dangerous places. The most challenging thing as a missionary is to be away from family. Truly. It's, 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 and to be away from your own culture. Because, you know, we just did Thanksgiving a few weeks ago. We invited two of our a family and a friend over, and we did Thanksgiving. Because it's no Thanksgiving in Mexico. So we did our own. But we get to see our families. They're all having their big Thanksgiving meals and things. And it's just, it's one of those things that you sacrifice but God honors, I know that. But it's so nice to come home. Like Jennifer and I said, I don't, I mean, I don't know where we'd be if we didn't have Bethlehem as a family, but there have been times when we're like, I've called Ron Book and said, Ron, I just need someone to give me encouragement. <laughs> and he has. And I've called Steve Hale and he's called me and talked to me for an hour about doctrine, about theology, about things that I needed to get confirmation, I needed to get hearing. He's called me at nine o'clock at night to tell me, talk to me. That's the pastor, that, that, well, now he's senior, I don't know what his role is, but he was the founder of this church, would call me, and at, 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 at nine o'clock at night and talk to me and listen to me for an hour and just offer the love of a father, like Ron. That's so important. And I, I just, it's, it means so much to me. So I want you to know you're all part of that. Um, one of the most meaningful things I think I ever heard from a, from a Bethel Atlanta pastor was from Justin Stockman when he visited us. One day we were hiking up a mountain and just like, we had a great time we were doing, we saw all these miracles, signs and wonders, salvations. We saw, one day we saw, I mean, a bunch of deaf ears open, blind eyes open, like tons. And then we're walking this mountain, and Justin goes, you know, Michael, you and Jen never have to come back and report what you're doing. You don't have to come back and give us a report of how many salvations, how many churches you planted. You're a family. You're part of our family. You don't have to prove anything to us. I don't know if any of you, 
Some of you that are missionaries know that's like gold if you're a missionary because you don't feel that pressure to perform that I, oh my gosh, especially in a year like right now. Right now, we're in the same situation as you in Mexico. It's actually a little more tight than it is in, it's probably tighter than it is in some parts of the South. And we can't do a lot. We're trying, you know, just like everybody else is. But to, to know that we have a family at home that is sowing and supporting us in prayer, financially, it, it just, it means so much. And this is the time when you realize that, oh my gosh, like we truly have a family. So that's an honor to Justin and Steve and Lauren. Lauren is in contact. Lauren, I'm, first off, I'm so proud to have her as our, and Brent as our leaders, our senior leaders. Um, it means a lot to us, Lauren and Brent. When we didn't know Lauren that well before we left, but then she became one of our closest friends in the church. And she's been someone who text messages us, emails us, regular, making sure we're okay, checking in on us. And it means a lot to us. And when they announced that a few months ago, we were so excited and we celebrated from Mexico just like everybody else. So we're, we know that God is, 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 is moving us forward as a church. Um, he's expanding tent pegs. Um, I truly believe that we're gonna see major growth this year in the church. And it's not gonna be just people coming to spectate, which has happened in the past. It's gonna be people that are coming to be part of a family and they're coming to see God move in Atlanta and see God move in the world. So get ready, prepare your hearts. Um, prepare yourselves. Part of my message today is, uh, well, the theme of my message today is hindsight is 2020, because we all heard a year ago, 2020 vision, 2020 vision, and for about two months we were all pushing it, and then guess what? The vision changed from what we expected. That doesn't mean it wasn't 2020 vision, but hindsight is always perfect. You always look back and you say, "Wow, there was God doing that and that and that," but to me, in my natural eyes and my feelings. That was not happening. So what I'm calling you is to see from a higher perspective today. I'm calling you to check, if, what did you learn this last year? And what are we gonna do differently this coming year? Because I think God doesn't waste anything. I've preached on this before. My, my good friend Kyle Francis always says, you know, God, Father God is like a Native American chief. The Native Americans didn't waste anything. They would take the buffalo, and in certain tribes, they would take the buffalo, they'd use the hoofs, they'd use the excrement, they'd use the fur, they'd use the internal organs, and they didn't waste anything. That's our father. He takes our bad stuff and our good stuff, and he uses it for his glory and our good. Amen? Keep remembering that in the midst of it. When you're sitting there going, okay, this is real. I mean, I know that it's hard right now, guys. And I know it's been hard. We, we're, we're on the mission field doing it. I mean, we're we experiencing the same things as you are, um, except we don't have like family to see. So it's, it's even more challenging. I'm gonna give a little bit of a uh, update, but um, yeah, God is, on the, God is on the move. And that's, what my, that's the theme of my message is hindsight is 2020. Cause I really think that this year was not wasted. God wastes nothing. As much as it was hard and some of you are even hit, it might be, it might be hard for you to hear that. Cause you just wanna get past 2020. You were like, eh, I God created that year. <laughs> we lived, as Christians, as believers in the body of Christ during 2020. Now there are things that came up, things that were ugly, things that were not so good, but that's God purifying, bringing up things because I think he's preparing us for something, for a next level. That's what I believe, okay? And I have to believe that because we say we go from glory to glory. God is preparing something on the earth. And so we have an opportunity now to say, okay, let's, let's examine in our own lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our church. What are we doing? Do we need to make some adjustments, make some changes, throw some stuff out? Because we're preparing ourselves for what's next. If you keep doing the same old thing and, you, and it's not working, that, that's, that's foolishness. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you want to continue to grow and adapt and change. And I feel like God's calling that to us this year. Now, it's really easy now to step up here because Michael, Edwards, my brother, is just 
breaking it open in the beginning for, for inviting the Holy Spirit. And then we get this powerful worship. And then Jen Stockman basically just preaches a message before I even get up here. And I, I'm like, I look over and I'm like, how do I go up after that? And then I remember what Leif said a few weeks ago. That's my sister up there preaching. You know, I don't get jealous. I don't get, that's my sister up there. You know, that, she's breaking it open for our family. So we've got something that's building right now. So I just want to ask you to open your hearts. Um, I usually say that at the beginning, but I know I've been there with you. I've been the one sitting out there and it's easy to say, okay, I'm just gonna go to church. And then, you know, I'm kind of my mind somewhere else. I'm thinking about other things, but I really wanna ask you to open your hearts and even things that you've heard before, verses, scriptures, revelation. God is freshly speaking all the time. And I think that he's calling us back to some basics. And that's part of what I'm gonna say. I feel like he's calling us back to some of the things we did at first. And, but if you just say, well, I've already heard that verse. I've already heard Romans 8, 28. I'm just gonna jump over it. It's like, you're gonna miss something that God has for you guys. So I'm really just encouraging you, listen, I, I, turn your hearts on, um, and I'm gonna try to do the best I can to keep this in time. But as many of you have come to see me before, I have a hard time with that. So let's just give me some grace, and we'll announce for the kids to come, and we'll see what happens, okay? Um, it's very exciting to be here. Honestly, I'm kind of nervous because I haven't preached in person in like a year, or like eight months. And I used to preach three or four times a week in Mexico. Now I'm and, and, and it's the people that preach a lot. It's, you get better when you do reps. When you get up here and you pre preach a lot, the better you get. When you haven't done it, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm used to looking at a Zoom camera or my iPhone and preaching to people, and it's like a very different situation. I prefer this, to be honest, but um, it's, it's just kind of a, it's nice to see you. It's nice to feel the hunger pulling. So I'm going to try to throw out some, break off a piece of my special sauce and throw it out there. So... Um, so the last time I think we were here, I think I, I prayed and shared a testimony over the summer, which was awesome. Um, but, you know, we, a year ago, or a year and a half ago, maybe, we were moving from the South Mexico to North Mexico. Um, we were living in, like, what we call Pueblo, a small town in South Mexico. Uh, we helped uh, start a missions base. Many people in this room have been to that missions base, have been there with us. We've seen God do crazy things. Um, and then after three and a half years, we were launched, we were sent to go be pioneers in the north of Mexico in Monterrey, which is a large city, much like Atlanta, about five or six million people, about two and a half hours from the uh, Texas border. Um, it's a lot of worker, people that work in business and um, very different situations. So we went from where we saw goats and cows walking down our street to where we're seeing, uh, I saw a Tesla charging station the other day. Uh, it's a very different situation. Um, God wants to move in both places. And I think there's a problem right now. I don't know. I feel like there's the enemies trying to create a divide. I mean, the wealthy and the poor, and that is not the kingdom of God. Um, God, God loves all. And if you, and I think Chris Valton says this best, if you serve among the poor, you need to have some wealthy friends. And if you serve among the wealthy, you need to have some poor friends because you need to keep your heart tenderized to the people that are different than you. Um, and that's not my message, but I w most of you, well, I was a lawyer before I became a missionary. I worked at a large law firm in Midtown Atlanta. I was at a high rise in the Regents building, making a lot of money. And so I've served with the wealthy and there is just as much if not more brokenness among them than there are among the people that are living in economic poverty. Because there's a, there's, you, don't, you don't need Jesus. It's like, oh, well, I got finances, I got this, I got, you know, I've got my car, I've got my American dream. But there's so much depression and suicidal thoughts and um, pride and things that are deceiving. That, that, that people are struggling. So that's just a little nugget I'm gonna throw out. If you're feeling that come up in your heart where you're criticizing and judging those that have, I really encourage you to find friends who have and start to build, build fellowship and build friendship. And if you um, are struggling with those that don't have, I really encourage you to go and serve among the poor, feed, because um, God needs to soften that in our heart. Because 
there's not poor, wealthy and poor in the kingdom of God. We're all children of God created in his image. Um, so that's just a little side note. I'm, I'm sorry. I felt like I was supposed to say that. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Lord on that one. Um, so we moved to Mexico. We moved to Monterey about a year and a half ago. We were part of a local church that was, supposed, was in the process of joining our ministry that's down in Mexico, a church planting movement, a missions movement. Um, we've got works all over Mexico, Honduras, Texas. We've even got some, in, some now in the Appalachian Mountains of Tennessee. Um, we also have a lot of, I would say, cell groups in closed countries that I can't mention. And we have a major work in North Africa and Kenya with Bible schools there. So we have works happening. And actually, we just launched a, um, some missionaries to Spain. But we have missionaries kind of all over. We're under the, sort of the umbrella of Iris um, Global, Heidi Baker. But we kind of have our own. It's like we have our own autonomy, but we're under the Iris umbrella, if that makes sense. It's like a, almost like a, a relation, like a marriage almost, but it's a, it's a close partnership. And um, we came to start this, help with this church that was just kind of started and we actually, st- Jennifer and I stepped into more of a pastoral role, which we haven't actually done. So I have so much more respect for you pastors now. <laughs> it's hard. Guys, being pastors is hard because people have expectations of you. And you can't always meet those expectations because you're not Jesus. And they, people expect you to be. And I'm just telling you that, I mean, I've dealt with dealing with people with um, in, in, in serious moral failure, people in heresy, people in all kinds of stuff. It's like, okay. How do we walk through that now? So the Lord has really given my this heart for pastors that we, we kind of have this expectation and this thought about pastors, but it, what they go through off of just preaching on Sunday is much more different than what we expect. So uh, we've gotten to walk with that. And what a year to walk through pastoral care is when everybody's at home and you can't even really see people. So it's been a, it's been a challenge. And um, we kind of started this year really like with a lot of expectation in our church. Um, we were growing. We were kind of establishing some ministries. Um, Jennifer and I, I think we bring a lot of structure. It probably comes from my legal background. Um, so we were kind of establishing some structure to kind of f- receive the Holy Spirit, you know, to, to steward the Holy Spirit, the move. And, um, and then COVID hit, just like it hit here. And um, we went into sort of the lockdown mode. And just was here, about two months, it was good. And then all of a sudden, you saw less and less people connecting, less and p- less people responding to phone calls and text messages. And um, pretty soon... We, had, we came home just to renew our visas, and we couldn't get back to Mexico, so we were here for actually like two and a half months trying to get back in, but they kept canceling our flights, and then when we got back, basically our church had whittled down to like three, peop- three families, and, um, which was really hard because if you, as pastors, it's the other part of it, when you're sowing and discipling into people, it's really hard to see people fall away. That's the pastoral heart. It's like you don't want to see that happen. It hurts something inside of you, um, and that was a real challenge for us. Um, we tried to continue to support and run with that and just it didn't really wasn't really working and so we actually re- sort of wound up our responsibilities with that that church plant in October um, and we're launching our own church plant now so it hasn't actually started that's what kind of we're kind of dreaming for the next year um, and I'll talk a little bit about what that looks like for us as, as into the meat of the message but um it's just it was something that we saw and it's happened and so we're not going to sit around and sort of mope about it. We know God's moving and we're going to keep moving forward. You know, we, we handled things the way we were supposed to and honorably. And now we're going to move forward. We know, I, I told Jen, I was like, man, I just had a rest. I'm ready to run. I mean, we've been resting at home for like months. I'm, I, the, there's a harvest out there and I am just ready to go. So I think Jen feels the same way. Um, we're really excited. We know God's about to just do something. So that's where we're at right now, just to give you a heads up on our ministry perspective. Being pioneers is hard. I think I, it's, you're, you're, 
alone. I mean, we have our friends, we have people, but you're, you're not, it's not like you go to an established base. So we are literally starting something from nothing, which is exciting, but it's also kind of like, okay, like there's literally nothing planned. So what does it look like? Do we just commit to prayer? Do we commit to worship? Do we commit, you know, you're asking God, seeking God, and you're also just trusting that God will open the doors in his time. It's not, you can't force things to happen. And I think there's a lot of us trying to force things to happen, and it's kind of like, you know, you got to trust God on that. So we're, we're, we're doing that. Um, just two quick testimonies to start, because I feel I know that y'all love the testimonies. I'm going to throw them out there. Um, we went up to Reynosa, uh, which is our missions base. It's, in, it's right across from McAllen, Texas. It's a very, um, I would just say it's a very dangerous city. Um, it's, there's a lot of crime. There's a lot of things that are not good there. But our missions base is there. We have a lot of missionaries and pastors there. And God is really moving there. Um, we went in November for a week, and one testimony, um, I went up to a, a woman who you could tell she was in obvious pain. And um, so I grabbed another woman, and we went and prayed for this woman. And she said, you know, I have this, she said the mouth of my stomach is in severe pain, and it has been for like five or six years. And I was like, oh, man, that's just not good, you know. And as I just prodded with a couple of questions, I realized this is actually a spiritual thing. This is a d- demon. It's not a physical ailment. Um, for those of you that do healing ministry, it's not always just be healed. It's sometimes spirit of infirmity, get out. And um, that was what this was. And uh, the more you pray for the sick, the more you identify this. So just encourage you to keep going, keep praying and keep learning. Um, it's important as part of it. Jesus healed the sick and he cast out demons. Um, so identify, we brought her to a, a place that's kind of in the back. Even though in Mexico, they don't really care if demons are getting cast out. They just keep worshiping because it's just part of, it's just, it's just normal. Some of you have been there with us and there's someone like getting delivered and everybody's just dancing around them worshiping and they don't even care. It's just kind of normal. Um, but we took this one to the back so we could actually hear her and kind of honor her. And basically I said, so your pain started five or six years ago. Did something happen five or six years ago, something traumatic? And she goes, well, actually my, my son disappeared five or six years ago. And I was like, oh, okay. Have you processed that grief? Like what's going on? It sounds like she had it. She was blaming herself. She was inadvertently blaming God. That happens a lot for those that pray for the sick. People blame God because they think because God's in control that this is from him. And so they actually need to ask forgiveness from God for blaming God for the sickness. It's actually part of the process sometimes. They, they don't always want to admit they're doing that. That's the thing. You have to kind of say, well, you may not realize you're doing it. Let's just go ahead and pray this, you know, because no one really, especially people in the church don't want to admit they blame God for anything, you know. So, but I led her through that. I led her through forgiveness for her, of herself because a lot of us are more harder on ourselves than we are anybody else. Um, and she did. And then we ejected the, the spirit and cast it out and she threw up. That happens. It doesn't always happen, but it can happen, okay? It doesn't have to happen, but it can happen. So be just, don't be surprised. She did, and she goes, you could see her face and her countenance change. She was smiling, and she's like, I have no pain. Amen. And it was a beautiful moment because the woman that I was with, there was a senior, she was a pastor from Tennessee. She had just lost her husband a few months ago and was in the process of grief. And it was like therapeutic for both of them to grieve in that moment together and hug each other. And the Holy Spirit was just falling on them. And the lady just began to laugh and laugh and laugh because that spirit that she was of, of, of blame, of shame, of whatever she was, uh, that she, rejection, anger was gone. And now the Holy Spirit had room to just give her the joy of the Lord. And it was amazing. So... That happened, and at the same night, another lady that was her friend got healed of cancer. A tumor disappeared. Went to her doctor the next day, got the x-rays, and she can show both. There was one tumor, and it was gone the next day. So, amen. 
That doesn't just happen in Mexico. It happens in the United States as well. And I know there's people here that have testimonies, but we have to believe for it, guys, and we have to pray for it. That's the, that's the second part is we talk about it, but we got to pray for it as well, you know. Um, I know the people that, what they usually, they get that injection of faith and they come visit us. They come back here like they're in Mexico, and they start praying like they're in Mexico because they've seen God move. It's not that they're in Mexico anymore, but they've seen it. It's like you carry this kind of like swagger, like, okay, I've seen God move. He's going to do it again. And it's true, and God's bringing miracles to America. I know it, and in a greater measure. And we're going to see it here in this tent. Amen? I remember about four or five years ago, um, uh, we got a call. I think it was Chris Oliver got a call that, hey, there's these people at this hospital, and they called the church and said, we heard you're a church that believes in miracles. Can you send some people to the church? So Mary and Ken Lovell and I and a couple others went to the, drove to a hospital in Atlanta and went and prayed for this woman that had cancer and was dying multiple times. And unfortunately, this woman eventually passed away. But during the time, she was so excited that we were coming to pray for her because we had faith. She's like, I need people with faith right now. And she said that when we saw her, her, her sister or aunt, I believe, who was kind of more reformed, more of a traditional doctrine, maybe not as open to the miracles, saw us coming down the hall. She goes, whoa, I thought you were angels. You were glowing when you came down the hall. We're at Bethel Atlanta. We're the church where miracles happen and people believe in miracles. Don't forget it, okay? I know right now it doesn't feel like it, but don't forget it. We're the church that believes in miracles and we've seen them. People have testified from this stage. People have testified all over Atlanta and all over the world that have gotten healed by people from Bethel Atlanta that have prayed in the name of Jesus. Amen? Cool. Okay, that's just a, some fun start. Okay, I always say this, my opinions are my opinions and my thoughts are my thoughts. I don't represent the leadership of Bethel Atlanta I have a different experience than some, I mean, I live in Mexico. So when I say things, this is not Steve Hale saying, this is what we believe, this is what we do things. I'm just saying that the way things that, that I have to do, because when you're on the mission field, things are different. Church is different, culture is different. That's just, I like giving that caveat, because sometimes, you know, you push a little bit and people go, whoa, whoa. And I'm just saying, hey, this is, I'm telling you my experience. You can come argue with me or you can come and, you know, talk to me about it. I'd love to talk about it, you know, we're, we're, we're family, so, um, but if you have a different opinion, that's okay. You're powerful. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Bible. I'm in? And, um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to take that, take the heat from the leadership a little bit. Um, I just like to push a little bit, guys. I, I, as a missionary, I get a little bit of a room for that, I think. Um, excuse me. Um, and, I, actually, I was really inspired by our brother, Leif Hetland, a few weeks ago. I was like, this man He's gotten reignited. He is on fire. He was just up here, and I'm like, I, I see it. It's coming in another way for him. And I don't even know what it's going to look like, but I just said, Jen, he's got a fresh word from the Lord. He's, he's, him, and Jen have got some, him and Jennifer have got something coming. So, brother, I bless you. Um, he's been a hero of mine uh, since before I even came to Bethel Atlanta. So it's just an honor to be a brother in the same church with him um, and with everybody that's up here that's, that's part of this church, everybody in this church. Um, Let's just go to our, like Michael, my brother Michael Edwards said, let's get some verses out of here because we love the verses. Let's go to Romans 8, 28. I hope you have your Bibles. I love the word of God. I love it. I read it every day. You should be too. Not as a religious thing. This is how you know God. This is how you get to know him. This is how you hear his voice. You can hear his voice more accurately if you read it and know his character. There's, there's been this movement away from reading the word of God. And I've seen this illiteracy of the Bible in the modern church, and it's just hurting my heart. I remember when I first came back to the Lord, I would get up and read my Bible for like an hour and just read it 
pouring over it. I'd go on Saturdays on my day off and just sit there and read Bible for three, four, five hours. Not because I had to. I chose to do that because I wanted to know about God. And we've got to get back to that, guys. We are a supernatural church. We do hear from God. We can't get away from this. This is our anchor. This is what everything's based on. And I just want to challenge you in that. If you're feeling dry, get in the word and just dig in. Start reading. Get in Ephesians. Get in Colossians. Just start reading these and just imagine and just visualize what God is doing and his, his, his place in our lives and our place in Christ in the heavens. Um, sorry. I'm... I'm <laughs> I don't get the stage up here very often, so it kind of all comes out. Okay, Romans 8, 28. We all know this verse. We all know this verse, so don't jump over it. Don't jump over it. Don't just skip over it. Listen, and we know that for those who love God, all things, um, excuse me, those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Are you called according to his purpose? Yeah. Do you love God? Yeah. Amen. Well, all things are going to work together for good. But they didn't always look the same the way you want it to look. <laughs> and that's where we get caught up because we think, oh, man, I thought it was supposed to look like this. I thought it was supposed to look like it did in Azusa Street. I thought it was supposed to look like it did in Wells. I thought it was supposed to look like it did in name your, uh, Toronto or Brownsville. No, it's going to look different. In your own life and in our tribe, in our, in our church. And that's okay. We honor what God did. Maybe God will take some things out of that and drop it in. But we, we have to be open for God to move in a new way. And we have to believe that his goodness doesn't change because of the conditions around us. I, 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 I've been feeling out of my heart. I'm like, God, what are you teaching me? What are you teaching me this year? And one of the things is we have sort of put our theology in what we're experiencing, not in what the word says. Like, oh man, this is hard. Yeah, and that's okay. And you can talk, talk to the counseling department and they will walk with you through that. And I encourage you to do that. We do that. But there's also God is in the mid, move in the midst of it, right? And it may not always look like we, we thought it did. Remember, remember it, there's that one story in um, Matthew. Uh, let me just find it real quick. Excuse me. Um, heavenly thing. Matthew 11. I'm not gonna really read the whole scripture because we, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to say, remember John the Baptist, cousin of Jesus, baptized in the Holy Spirit in the womb. Remember? It says he was filled with the Spirit in her mother's womb, in Elizabeth's womb. So he knew his calling as like a Nazarite, as like he's preparing the way of the Lord. He is not going to drink. He's not going to do all these things. And he knew all the scriptures. I mean, you can see him quoting the scriptures about what he was doing the entire time. He's even the one that said, there he is, to his cousin, Jesus, as Jesus came to get baptized in water and the Holy Spirit and in the love, of, you know, the Father's love. Um, but that was John the Baptist that did that. He recognized it. He had the prophetic seeing gift to see the Holy Spirit coming. But then, a little bit later, we see in Matthew 11 that, that John the Baptist is in jail. And he says in chapter 3, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? So John thought the Messiah knew it better than anyone Maybe. I mean, I think he did because the way he quotes the scriptures, he thinks it's going to look like this one way. And then he's sitting there in jail like, this isn't what I thought it was going to look like. Wait a minute. And Jesus says, go tell him what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are, um, the, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor of good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He was saying, okay, remember those scriptures you've been saying? Here it is. 
it just looked different than what you expected. It looked different than what you expected. 2020, right now, I know a lot of people just want to jump on to 2021. Look, we're only, we're, we're, what, it's the third? It's not really different right now than it was three days ago, just because the year changed, right? <laughs> I've seen the memes. They're funny. I've seen all the, like, you know, 2020, burn it, blah, 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 you know. But, but let's be real. Like, God is still advancing his kingdom on the earth. And he was in the midst of that. Yeah. Even though it felt like a setback for many, God was purifying. He was shaking the church. That's what he was, I mean, I, right now the church has been shaken. Those that have been ministry for a long time know there are people that are not going to church anymore. We have people in our own church that have left the faith. Um, unfortunately, not in this church, uh, maybe there has, but there have, people are questioning God, questioning their theology, questioning because of the pandemic. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Is God still good? Is Jesus still on the throne? Is he still coming back? Yes, yes, yes. So why are we, you know, and that doesn't mean you can't have those very real thoughts and feelings. I am not minimizing those. I'm just saying, let's get back in the word. Let's get back with people. And I'm gonna talk about that. Let's get back with people that we can talk about these things and remember what it is that we believe, okay? My wife and I live as missionaries. We're missionaries in Mexico. We lived in a place that, you know, a lot of people question, why would you go live in Mexico? Why would you go live in Mozambique? Why would you live in these places that are dangerous? Well, God called us first. <laughs> That's the safest place to be is where God's called you, to be honest. It could be in midtown Atlanta, at a high rise, it could be in Tyrone, it could be wherever, it could be over in the most dangerous country on earth. But if God called you there, it's the safest place to be. But also, let's not forget what Paul said. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, I know that's not the like feel good that's the Bible. Paul said, for me, to live is Christ. On this earth, while I'm living, I get to live the life of Christ. If I die, upgrade. But for some reason, the church has forgotten this, I think. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying, let's remember that. What we believe as Christians is that Jesus Christ died to save us from our sins so that we may have eternal life with him. He destroyed the effects of sin and death. We don't, we don't, die, our spirits don't die for Christians. We go to spend eternity with our Father in heaven. Let's remember that. I'm, it's just, I'm pushing a little bit, guys, but like, we have to walk in this. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'm a missionary. I've given up my comforts and life to live in places where I've seen some really scary stuff. And you know what? I feel peace about it. You know why? For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Oh, but, you know, what, what you, well, I have a wife, I have kids, small children. For me to live as Christ, to die as gain. If I'm taken off this earth, guess what? God's gonna take care of my family. I have to believe that, guys, because God is good, right? Now, I'm not searching out death. I'm not searching out <laughs> martyrdom. But I'm also like, God, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, I'm going where you call me, all right? Pushing a little bit. But just I'm challenging you. Let's just remind ourselves of that scripture verse. What was Paul going through? Persecution, shipwrecks, beatings, and he was still advancing the gospel. I think he even died in Acts. It looks like he maybe died and then was resurrected. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. He kept going, kept going, kept going, right? It says that they stoned him in Acts. The disciples surrounded around and prayed. And then it just, the next chapter is like, and then he continued on preaching the gospel. That's, that's, that's our God. <laughs> that's our forerunner of the faith, the apostle Paul. If God did it with him, he would do it for us. I know Leif says that he's been many times where he had to write letters to his wife and say, if I don't come back, and that's a hard thing to do. It's, it's one thing when you're trusting your own life. It's another thing when you're trusting the life of your family in the hands of God. But if that's what God's calling you to do, that's what he's calling you to do.
Now, I'm not calling all of you to go do that. But if he is, there you are. <laughs> um, so the Lord's talked to me about that. Let's put our mind on heavenly things. You know, let's take a different perspective. Let's look down. One time I had this vision, and it was, I saw a storm all around us, and it was bad. And, and we were in a plane taking off in this vision. And then all of a sudden, have you been in that situation where you're in a storm and then you just go above the clouds and it's like, wow, it's sunny, it's blue, it's clear. And if you go higher, you can actually kind of see down where the cloud is over one area, but then it's good the rest of the way or you can see the clear that's coming. I feel like that's the perspective we need to have is up higher. Okay, that doesn't mean we don't, Jen hit this very clearly a couple weeks ago. It doesn't mean we leave our humanity. It doesn't mean we leave our life on the earth and just become so heavenly minded that we don't really do it on the earth. But we also do step into our seat in heavenly places too and take that heavenly perspective when it's a situation around us is a storm, when it doesn't look like we want it to look, right? Um, so I'm asking you as a challenge for 2021, look back from above and say, God, what were you doing in the midst of that? That felt like that, that felt like that, but what were you doing? I didn't like this, I didn't like that. I know for me, we saw that as an opportunity, Jennifer and I, to work on our marriage. We had all this time at home together in a small space with two really small children I know the moms and dads know what I'm talking about. It's a different thing when someone's not disappearing parts of the day and everybody's in the one place. God was pushing some, there was some stuff that was getting pushed up. Are you going to take that and say, well, let's just be angry and victims and mad? Or are you going to say, you know what? We need to work on some stuff. Guys, it, we're, you're not the only one experiencing this right now. There's a lot of us are. And I'm a minister and telling you that. We were realizing, okay, this is, it wasn't anything bad. It was just like, it's just, we're not as nice sometimes, and, you know, we're kind of frustrated, and I think part of that was grief. You know, we're grieving the loss of the season and loss of what our normal was at the time. That, you need to go through that. If you need to grieve, grieve. Like uh, Justin's big message, grief is the, that's the thing that the Lord's restoring to the ministry of counseling and inner healing is grief, being able to grieve, pro grieve properly. But do that. But then let's keep going. You know, don't stay there. Um, so I think that for us, we saw that. I just talked to a friend here today, yesterday, and he told me, you know, Michael, um, I've chosen to sow into my family this season. I'm a single man. I've been visiting my family, my parents, over. They're elderly or older. I've been visiting them over like six or seven or eight times over this. He never got to do that when he was working. <laughs> but he's sowing into his family. He realized there's an area that maybe I can work on something there. So maybe there's some stuff that's come up and you're like, ugh, 2020. But maybe it's because God's saying, nope, we're going to go right there, guys. We're going to start working on that. We're going to start polishing that off, purifying it some. Because you know why it's important? We're getting ready to see God move in a major way. And we have the opportunity now to get prepared to receive what he's got coming. But if our character is not ready to receive it, it's not going to last. If our marriages are not made to sustain when it's good or when it's bad, we're not going to be able to sustain when it's good also because then pride and all these other things come in. So I'm just telling you, use this as an opportunity. It's a challenge to you guys in your family, with your kids, with your work, with your spouses, personal life. You feel things pushing up and you're like, I never experienced that before this. Go to the Holy Spirit on that one. Ask him, is this, what is this? <laughs> you know? Um, I know God's got, he's, he's doing that. And, and when I say keep your mind on heavenly things, I think there's some people that have touched on this some. Some of us were so focused on what's happening in the news that we have no idea what's going on in heaven. Does it make sense? Like, I'm not criticizing all the news. The news is good, generally. 
there's some that's not. But let's, let's get, I mean, I've heard, almost every pastor has talked about this in the last eight months because we're dealing with it. People are like in fear, they're confused, they're angry, they're divided. And a lot of it is a spirit that's perpetuating this. Let's get our heavenly perspective on each other, <laughs> on the situation, on what God's doing in the world. And practical things, I've even heard, like I think, uh, I don't know if you ever listened to Michael Cullianos. He's a pastor in uh, Jesus Image down in Orlando, him and his wife, Jessica. Very good, I really love their teaching. It's very Jesus focused, it's awesome. But they're saying like, how many of you get up in the morning, and the first thing you just start checking your newsfeed and start checking your Instagram or your Twitter. How do you get your mind on heavenly things when that's the way you start your day? You know, because you're, immediately you go into this, oh gosh, someone said this, someone did this, this is happening. And when you go and you get with the Lord and say, God, what is it you're gonna do for the day? It might be just five minutes. I've got small children. That's not a lot of time we can do that when we're waking up. Get with the Lord first and then guess what? It's gonna make things a lot better. So that's a practical thing, but I think we, come on guys, let's, let's get our mind on heavenly things. What is the Lord saying about this? It doesn't mean ignore news. Um, I think it's important to know what's going on in world events, but don't let's not get so focused um, on that. The next thing that I feel really is important is that we've got to like, uh, let's go to Hebrews. Sorry, are y'all okay? Y'all doing good? Okay. I think they're going to call for the children in 10 minutes. Uh, I'm just going to go for a little bit longer. I'm sorry. Um, importance, let's go to, this is, the Lord told me this verse a few weeks ago, and I, I really want to relay it to you guys. And um, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day of the Lord, the day of Christ's return drawing near. So there's something tied to the return of the Lord and our drawing near together. There's something about stirring one another to good works and to love by gathering together. And what the writer of Hebrews is, we don't know who it was, but something is Paul, but what he, he knew Paul apparently, he talks about Timothy, but he says, some of you aren't doing this. Was it persecution? Was it sickness? Was it, I don't know what it was. Now I'm not talking about the corporate gathering. I know that these leaders have had, I, man, I don't, they haven't told me this. I can just tell you because I know because I was leading a church. There's, you're hearing so many voices from so many different directions for eight or nine months, and you're trying to move and stay and with the government, with the people. With, it's a hard position. So I'm taking some flack off them. It's, not, it's, it's difficult. But the, the meeting together doesn't have, have, have to happen in this tent. It doesn't have to happen in a building. What, are you, what Justin says sometimes, what are you going to do about it? You know, like, we should meet together. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to open your home and say, I can have five people in my house, and we're going to study the word together? I'm going to have five people come, and we're just going to do life together. Now, I'm not saying ignore. If you're vulnerable and do all those things, I, I had COVID in November. My wife did. Our kids did. So you can hug me and all that if you want. Um, it, 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 I, was, I had a small fever for one day, and then I lost my smell for two weeks. Um, just FYI for me. Um, but I'm talking about the gathering together. The, life happens in community. Life happens in community. This is great. Like, we love this. The corporate gathering, we all come together. We, bring, we come together with our hunger, with our worship. We seek the Lord. The Lord's enthroned on the praises of his people. We know this. But there's also something that happens in houses. It happens in circles. It happens in your home. And we've got to get back to that, guys. Like, and we can't just depend on the leadership of the church to do that. When I was living here, I started like three home groups. Not affiliated with any church. I just said, who wants to come and worship the Lord at my house once a week? Some of the people here have come to those groups and are here because they came to those groups years ago in Atlanta. Because I just said, you know what? I'm hungry for God. I'm gonna open up my house. We're gonna worship him. We're not gonna talk about differences in doctrine. We're gonna pray for him. We're gonna hear from him and we're gonna minister to each other. 
We did that for like three or four years in Atlanta, in the heart of midtown Atlanta. Open, you know, some of, and, so, and I'm saying this because I can find myself sometimes being like, why, are, why is this not happening? But then I'm like, wait a minute, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> Instead of criticizing maybe a leader where you don't know the situation, let's just say, well, I could open my house up and have some people in my house, those that feel they want to come, right? So what are you going to do about it? That's my question. What are you going to do about it? We should gather together. You know why? Because life happens. That's where the discipleship happens is in homes. It happens with someone to your side. I can't disciple you from up here. It's hard to disciple via Zoom and text. You can stay connected, but it's really hard. But if you're sitting next to me and I can look you in the eyes and say, as a young man, what were you watching on your computer last night? That's when stuff starts breaking down. Because, and we create this accountability. We create this relationship. We create this vulnerability. And, and there's freedom there. When I was first coming back to the Lord, I came to Bethlehem to visit. July 1st, 2012. I remember it. It was one of those moments. Is it the ABC building? Remember the ABC building? A lot of us have fond memories of the ABC building. And I was sitting in the back. I came with some friends. I'd heard about it, Bethel Atlanta. I was like, let's go check it out. And a man named Hector Caban, who I didn't know, walked up to me and put his hand on my chest. He said, can I pray for you? And I said, well, sure, why not? And in like 10 seconds, I'm on the chair. And I feel a weight all over me. And my hands are tingling. And I was like, I, didn't come, I, raised, I wasn't raised in a Pentecostal charismatic church. What is happening right now? I ran to the bathroom to splash water in my face. Because like, I don't want this to be just hyper. Something I really want and it's not really the Lord. And from that moment, I began, well, shortly thereafter, I began to pray in tongues, have these experiences. So I received a baptism in the Holy Spirit, but it was a marking moment for me. And it happened in Beth Atlanta. It happened on a July, they know, summer when no students are here. It's a little slower in the summer. You know, there's a little difference in the atmosphere. So I love it, but it's, it's different. July, you never know, vacations, some people are here, some are not. And I don't even know if it was, you know, the main worshipers leading that day. But God was there, he touched me in the heart. And from that moment, I began to run with people that were hungry, that wanted God, a community, we got to get to that, guys, and it's not just here. It's in your homes. It's in your communities. We've got to get to where we're like, like Acts. Chris Valzen just talked about this, actually. I knew I was over the target on this one because Chris just preached on this, like, last week um, in Acts 4. They were talking about the upper room and the day of Pentecost. Well, what happened immediately after? They began to gather in homes. That was a response to a move of God. It wasn't because, okay, guys, the, the model is that we start with cell groups, and then we, that is a model, but it was based out of God moving in their midst. God is moving, God. There's something that happens when we're in community together. There's a hunger that's fueled when you're like telling stories and you're in your house and there's, there's a vulnerability. There's, a, there's just a, something that happens. I can't explain it. It's a gift of God. <laughs> it's nothing that you can contrive. Um, it says in, I'm, I'm gonna go to scripture, Acts 2, 42. This is immediately after the, the day of Pentecost. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The word is didache in Greek. It means skilled instruction. So the disciples or the apostles in this moment were teaching what they were doing. They were teaching, okay, heal the sick, prophesy, because they just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They'd walk with Jesus for three years. They knew how to do it. And that's where they began to teach was in the home. It wasn't just good doctrine, good teaching. It was, no, watch me, follow me, come to my hip, and we're going to go, right? That's, that's what we're moving towards. And I believe that's how God's going to move in this end-time harvest. Uh, that's just... Um, that Rob Jones has been prophesying about the billion souls. Um, and the fellowship, which is koinonia, it's a word that means much more than just we're together. It's like a deep knitting together um, to the breaking of bread. That could mean the Lord's Supper. I do believe it, it includes that, but it also just means have a meal together at your house. How many of you have had just great conversations over a meal? It's so simple, 
but it's disarming. It's like, we can just talk, we can sit forever. I mean, I've done it. I did it yesterday with Jake and Adelaide. We sat for like two or three hours just talking around a meal. That's just what happens, you know? Um, and, and Mexico, I'll say, it's a very warm culture. It's different here in America, and I'm not criticizing. It's just Amer- in Mexico and in Latin America, it's uh, uh, los Latinos saben. Um, we, you invite someone into your home, you come. <laughs> There's no, ah, maybe. No, you do it. <laughs> it's a form of honor to do that. And you go, and you don't expect to go for like 10 minutes and leave. No, you expect to go, and you have food, and you have coffee, and the tea is there, and the abuela is there, and, the, you know, there's an uncle there, and everybody's wanting to get prayer from you if you're a minister like me because they just want to keep bringing people to you. But it happens when you get invited. That is doing life in home. That's doing life together. Um, I believe I, Rick Joyner, if you've ever heard of him, I know some of you may not, may not, some of you may not agree with some of the things. Let me just ask you, let's honor the prophets. Let's honor people that maybe have a different stream or different belief about certain things than some of you because God still speaks to different people that have different beliefs than us. Rick Joyner in the 80s had a three-day visitation where the guys showed him the, the final two harvests on the earth. Now, you can have your, I know there's different theology about that. Um, but that was in 18, 1987. He's updated his book, and since then, it's all these things have happened. Like, it's a lot of things that have happened. Some haven't. But one thing that stood out to me that I remember from reading the book years ago, and I just reread it, was there was a major move of God in house churches. Not official, but in homes. It wasn't like, okay, now church, do this. We do have life groups here, and that's a good thing, and I'm, we're doing that. But I'm not saying that you have to depend on that. Let's just start gathering in homes. Let's take what we're getting here on Sunday. Let's bring it to our community on, uh, during the week. Because at least in Mexico, there's more people that will come to your home than they would come to a Christian church on Sunday. But if you say, come to my house and have a meal, come have a coffee, we got a group of people together, we're gonna pray, we're gonna just hang out. I guarantee you, you're gonna see more people that wanna be part of church doing that than just saying, come to church on Sunday. I, I, from experience, I'm just telling you from experience. Now, Mexico's different than the US, but I did it in America too. It works here too. It does. What does it say in Acts 2? And de- it, it, I'm gonna jump on. It says, well, and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. So while this is happening, signs and wonders are blowing up in the homes. Come on. We wanna see the sick healed. We wanna see miracles, signs, wonders, salvations. Open up your home if you feel comfortable. I gotta put that caveat. Open it up and let's reach out to our community. Go to your neighbor and say, hey, we're, I know it's been a hard time, but we're just gonna have some people over to pray. It's not a lot of people... <laughs> If you'd like to, we're going to do it. I'm, I'm, I can almost promise you that you'll see fruit doing that because it's biblical. <laughs> um, Ken and Mary Lovell, their house church. I've had people say, they told me, I had a friend that once, they said, you can come to our house anytime. He's like, I'm going to take them up on that. The next day he went to their house in the afternoon and he had a meal with them. They just opened their home up, invited him. We got to be people like that, that are like, hey, come on guys. And I'm not saying don't have boundaries. I'm not, don't worry, Justin. I'm not saying just open your door up and yeah. Sorry, I've been taught by a lot by my friend here. Don't just, but, but, but come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you can just have during the week, like, hey, we're just gonna do it. Because right now there's a lot of people that are looking for this. I'm telling you, I'm counseling people who are in depression, who are alone, who don't know what tomorrow brings. And are like, there's a, I'm just, uh, I was about to speak in Spanish. Unfortunately, among the, Span, among the um, children, there's, there's like suicide going up, guys. Do you realize this? It's a major suicide rate among young people. So we've got to think about them too when we're doing all what we're doing. Like, there are other consequences of us not gathering. And I'm not saying again here, we're doing it here. But I'm saying, let's think about this. There's a lot of people that need, a, that need community. They need a father 
figure, a spiritual father, step there and say, God loves you. We've got you. You're not alone. Just to communicate that and say, come to my house every night if you have to. We're going to invite you in. We're moving toward this, guys. So I believe there was a prophetic word. Um, I really believe if you study the prophets, I love studying the prophets, the modern-day prophets. I love the old prophets too, but the Bob Joneses, the Rick Joyners, the Paul Canes. The, if you've never, get, go, go dig around the internet. You'll find some prophecies that'll blow your socks off. But what God's doing on the earth. One of the words that Bob Jones, who, if you don't know him, not the Bob Jones of the university in South Carolina. It's a fundamentalist school. It's very different than Bob Jones, the prophet who died like five or six years ago. Um, but this guy, Bob Jones, was an old Arkansas, uneducated guy. He died in the 70s because he was prophesying against some, some bad stuff that was happening on the earth. And the, Lord, the enemy killed him and he went to heaven. And he was in line to go be with the Lord. And basically the Lord said, while you were on earth, did you learn to love? And he said, I don't know, you know, I don't know. The Lord said, I'll send you back if you want. And Bob Jones said, well, I'll go back to save souls. So Bob Jones left this experience and came back to life and began and started incredible prophetic ministry that lasted for 30 or 40 years. But what I'm gonna say is he said, there's coming a harvest of 1 billion souls on the earth. You've heard the words, this comes from Bob Jones and a guy named Paul Cain who prophesied too. Uh, I'm not saying all these guys' lives were clean and perfect. I'm just saying these words I think were the Lord. He said, a billion soul harvest is coming on the earth. Mostly young people. That doesn't neglect the older people. You know why? Because we're the ones that are gonna be receiving these young people. We're the ones that have to say, I've walked through this, come with me, young man. For those that are older, it's not neglecting you. It's saying that you have a responsibility in this. But then Patricia King, who was a prophetess from Canada, she interviewed Bob Jones like 15 years ago before he died. And he said, she said, so he said, I see three waves. There's one harvest that's gonna come until 2012. And it's gonna be an infilling and then there's gonna be a 2012 to 2020 and it's a second filling and it's gonna be a re-harvesting of those who'd gotten away from the Lord, the prodigals. And then there's gonna be a, a revival that starts that's one billion souls. And they say, well, when's that gonna start? He goes, I think 2020 is when it's gonna start. He said this in this interview with Patricia King. You can look it up. Now, you can look at 2020 and go, I don't see it. But do you know what's going on on the earth right now? Do you know in China right now, they're in persecution. They can't have church ever. And there's the greatest move of God we've ever seen. In Iran right now, in the underground, there's a movement among youth. You heard Robbie Dawkins. There's a movement happening among the youth in Iran. I'm sure Leif has stories from other countries we can't talk about. I, I know the same countries. God is moving in the midst of persecution and tribulation. That's real. I'm not, I'm not prophesying it. I'm just quoting the words of Jesus. In this world, you'll face tribulation, but take, faith, take heart. I have overcome the world. So some of us, we think it's gonna be all unicorns and rainbows? <laughs> just get the Bible out. I'm not, I'm not, this is not a fear thing. This is not a judgment thing. This is just, we can have the glorious revival and we can also have persecution and tribulation. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Read it, read it. It says in 2 Timothy, those that desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. That's Bible, Bible. I'm not, I'm not making, this is not Michael Coots. This is Bible, okay? We're not waiting to escape but there's also stuff that's gonna happen. What are we gonna do? Are we, are we grounded in the word? Are we grounded in community? Are we grounded in faith? Are we grounded in the Holy Spirit? Are we hearing from him in the midst of it? Are we asking, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm ex this is what's happening. I'm reading a book right now called Tried by Fire. It's about the history of the church. It'll knock your socks off, guys. What the church has gone through. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not prophesying negative, bad things. I'm just saying that usually when God moves, I've studied revival history for a long time. It's not always received well by the world. There's slander, there's judgment, criticism, 
but there's also things that can happen that are not pretty. Are you, are you ready to push forward? Are you saying, I don't, God, we're going for it, you know? Because it's a real thing. I'm saying that because I don't hear it preached much, but it's, it's Bible. It's Bible. I, I'm just putting it out there. Go look at it. You can take it. You can go read the scriptures. Go read First John, or go read John 16. Go read these scriptures about this. Or go read the life of Paul. He talks about it pretty, pretty frequently um, of what he went through. But it, it's, it, the thing is, and I know Jen is so good about this, it's Jesus in you in the midst of all that. It's Christ with you when you don't know what's going on around you. That's where our comfort is, you know? It's Jesus. It's like, that's more than enough. So I might not see it. I may not feel it. But I got this comfort that Jesus Christ is with me. <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I feel like I, I don't want to end on that one because that's like, you know, it's just, it's just, I'm th- guys, I live in a third world. I live in a developing country. I know people in the underground in other countries. Don't go tell them that it's, it's all good, you know? Like, they will say, well, it's good in Jesus, but our conditions are not what you would call good, you know? But for them, it's all worth it. If you meet, read about Brother, Brother Yoon, the heavenly man, the underground church in China. They, they, they count it glorious to be persecuted for the faith. They count it as an honor. And I'm, I know in the Middle East, it's the same way. Um, I'm not, and again, I'm not saying it's happening to us. I'm just saying, let's not be like, I'm hearing, I'm hearing from people that their theology is getting messed up because of what's happening right now in the world. Because they're like, wait a minute, it's supposed to be great and good. I'm like, it's gonna be great and good, but maybe not the way you think it is, you know? Like, yes, we're influencing society. Yes, we're gonna continue to do that. Yes, we're gonna see this glorious billion soul harvest on the earth, but it doesn't always look the way we, we, we write it out when we're like, okay, this is how, you know, it's gonna happen. Sometimes it's gonna cost something. Is it worth it? I think it is. I've given my life up for it. I gave up a life as a lawyer, making a lot of money, I mean, to go and live a life where I don't make a lot of money. I don't make any money. Um, but it's worth it. I mean, I, I, you could ask Jennifer, you could ask, um, I, you guys, life, it's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, um, God, God is good. He's so good. I, there's a story that I heard from a woman in, uh, sorry, I'm a, uh, I, I heard a woman in uh, Mozambique. There's a lady that leads the Irish base in South Sudan, I think. She was leading an orphanage, just a single woman. She was ex-military, awesome, leading this missions base of, of orphans. And there was a civil war going around her. And they had all the orphans in there. And they're like, you're literally in the midst of the two armies coming. She said, well, we couldn't leave. We couldn't escape. So we just soaked in the presence of God. And bullets are flying around them. And they're just laughing in the joy of the Lord while bullets are flying all around them. It puts things in perspective when you hear that. <laughs> Am I really, I'm not saying you have to go do that, guys. But there are brothers and sisters we have on the earth right now who are going through that as we speak. And they're not like, man, this is inconvenient. They're like, no, this is hard, but it's worth it because God is so good. Jesus is with you. I call, just let's get that focus In my experience, it's in those places <laughs> where God feels the closest. <laughs> not that he's any closer. He's, you know, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. 
but it's those places where it's like, I truly don't feel comfort in my natural body that God feels the closest. I've been in streets of Atlanta ministering among the prostitutes with my wife and with my friends, and we've seen guns. We've seen people that threaten us. And I feel this peace that's like, <laughs> God is good. He loves me. I'm good. I felt a supernatural peace come over me in the areas of prostitution and parts of Mexico that I've been in where you see cartel members, you see people that are not good and they're watching you with eyes and you feel a peace that comes over you. It's like, this is supernatural. This is not something I could conjure up on my own. This is not something I could make up. It's God. It's Jesus. I feel like I want to pray for you guys. Can we, how about we stand up and get a posture receive? I'm sorry if I've gone a little long. There's just things the Lord's taught Michael Coots this year. We need a community. Develop your personal relationship with the Lord. Don't ride the coattails of other people. That's a, I didn't touch that. A lot of people, let's get, get back to the basics. Get your first love. Get in the secret place. Get up early. What did you do when you first fell in love with the Lord? I know I, I can tell you Ken and Mary Lovell's salvation and baptism story. You know why? Because they tell me it to me every time I'm with them. That's some Ken and Mary level. And you know what? It wrecks me every time. Ken Lovell got blown into the kingdom. Mary, Mary Lovell would sing in the spirit with all these people in a Baptist church or a, like a traditional church, and they got kicked out in the 70s or earlier. I can tell you that because that, that meant so much to them because that was their first love. I, can, I, I, know a lot of, I know people here, I can tell you, I know your first love story. We gotta get back to this, guys. What'd you, it says in that Revelation scripture, go do the things you did at first. What'd you do at first? I remember driving hours to go see a conference speaker. There's people here probably now that have driven hours to be here. God will reward your hunger, trust me. I did it for a long time. There's, do the things you did, you do crazy things when you're in love. <laughs> Kyle and I always talk about it. We used to drive to see our wives an hour, an hour back, because we just wanted to be with them for five minutes. But what do you want to do for Jesus? Sacrifice costs something. Maybe it's getting up an hour earlier than you would ever want to get up, especially when you don't have to be at work. Do it. Do it. Just do it. Get in that place with God. Where I know Jim was saying when she was writing her book, she couldn't find time to write, so she'd get up like four in the morning and spend time with the Lord to write. Can you imagine that? She's got four kids, five kids? How many kids do you have, Jeff? Four kids? She's getting up at early in the morning to spend time with the Lord to write? That's a sacrifice. God's, God's going to reward her for that. He is. And I, the same for you guys. God's, God's challenging me in this. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying from someone that, this is what he's, he's saying, Michael, you know how it hurts to get up at five, six? Do it. Get up. Get up and come spend time with me. I know you're tired. I know you got little kids that are going to be up in a few hours or 30 minutes or they might get up as soon as you get up because <laughs> they know somehow, always. <laughs> I don't know what, what it is, but they always know when the mom and dad gets up early to spend time with the Lord. Okay, maybe it's they sit with you and you spend time with the Lord. That's a good thing. That's how you raise up kingdom kid, kids. Let's just do it, guys. Think about it. Challenge, I've thrown out a bunch of challenges. Let's think about it. How do we get back to our first love? Intimacy, all fruitfulness flows from intimacy. If you want to see fruitfulness in your life, get in that secret place and buy oil. Go, oil is that intimacy of God. Just get in there with him and be those wise virgins. They're like, you know what? I've got, I'm good. I'm, I'm I don't know what's going on, but look at me. I am good. I've been in places where I've never wanted to leave the presence of the Lord. Where I, couldn't, I wasn't hungry anymore. I didn't want to go to the bathroom because the presence was so thick there. And I just said, I want to sit in this place and I'm not moving because he's here. 
Heidi Baker says when she was in, in, in um, Bethel Reading one time, she got hit, uh, the Holy Spirit touched her and she went on the floor. And she thought about getting up and the Lord said, no, stay there, I have something for you. And she waited and waited. And then the Lord just came in waves on her. She woke up a few hours later and there was a guy vacuuming near her. She was the only one left. Sometimes we're so quick to get on the next thing, but God's in the waiting. He's in the lingering. He's in the staying. And this, is, this is the key. This is it. It's intimacy. We talk about it. It's not just a catch word. Let's, let's get in that place, that first love. I don't know if you're feeling that, but I, I just feel like God's calling us as a church. What, we're, we're Bethel Atlanta. We're always pushing for the net. We want to see God and, and, and that move in the new, the new revelation, the new thing. That's great. Let's get back to what, what do we do at first? Did you get up early? Did you drive hours to go just see, to spend time with, see someone like a speaker, anointed speaker? Did you read your Bible for 10 hours and you couldn't get enough of it? You're just like, oh my gosh, John 3, 16. I've read this thousands of times, but it's just, oh, it's, I've been there. And I'm like crying, reading a Bible verse. <laughs> Come on, guys. This is it. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.